Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Happy Thursday, super excited about today's podcast. And I also want to let you know about my friend, Matt McKay. Uh, Matt McKay runs an organization called Houseright. Now, Houseright is helping churches like yours. If you're a growing church, no doubt you're thinking about, man, we got to build some buildings. We got to expand our uh, auditorium. We've got uh, to add more seats. We need to launch a portable campus, remodel, build something new. Houseright is your go-to solution for audio, lighting, video streaming, and all of your technology needs. They have worked with some of the largest churches in the country, but the amazing thing about this is there is no job too big or too small for them. Uh, Their team is amazing. In fact, they just keep adding incredible team members all the time. It's a little bit of a a brain trust of audiovisual technology uh, for churches today. Really, House right there, amazing. Uh, But what I want you to do is if you're thinking, even in the early stages, thinking of a project in this coming year, 2020, 2021, that sort of thing, I want you to reach out to Houseright. Go to houseright.com forward slash unseminary. If you uh, use audio video lighting, and I know you do, you got to check these guys out. Houseright.com. If you're looking to improve what you're up up to, even if you just want a second opinion to bring someone in and say, hey, I need somebody to take a look at what we're doing. Houseright is who you need to talk to. Houseright.com forward slash unseminary. All right. Well, let's jump into today's conversation. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Excited about today's conversation. Excited to introduce you to a church leader I hope that you'll get a chance to follow along with. Uh, Greg Holder's with us today. He is the pastor at a church called The Crossing, which is in a multi-site church in Missouri. Uh, they have four St. Louis campuses. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rich. This is uh, fun to be with you. Oh, I'm so honored that you're 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 on the call, and I'm just excited to to talk more about kind of what's going on at the crossing. Why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about the church. You've been there uh, since '97, if I'm doing my research right. So you've you've got a few laps on the car. Uh, I do. Tell us, uh, yeah. tell us about kind of the church. Give us maybe a bit of the history, that kind of thing. Yeah, fortunately, they let me uh, become the lead pastor when I was in the seventh grade, so that uh, <laughs> it's, that's good. So wow, that's uh, nice. no, I I actually uh, the church was planted by two two uh, fellas uh, in the early 90s. Uh, one then the other of them left. Uh, we were a part of the church. Um, I was actually one of the worship leaders there um, in the marketplace. My background is in psychology. I have a graduate degree in counseling. was actually working for uh, a Christian organization, teaching around the country, those kinds of things. And God called me out of the marketplace into this role we were, um, let's say we had a hundred people at our church at that time, um, still mobile. We were meeting at YMCA here in St. Louis and, uh, God has blessed and continued to allow me to be surrounded by a whole bunch of talented people who, who are mm-hmm. gifted in their ways. And, uh, uh, it's been an interesting, mostly beautiful ride, to be honest with you. Mm, very cool. Why don't you give us a sense of kind of the the flavor on on a weekend? If someone was to come in, what would that look like? What would the kind of what would what, what is that experience like? What would be some of those distinctives sure. of the church that you'd be like, hey, this is kind of what sets your church apart? Yep. Well, we like I'm sure many churches didn't specifically set out 
to be a large church. I mean, when, when we mm-hmm. took over uh, the leadership role, I mean, my wife and I, uh, not as a co-pastor, but I just couldn't do this without her feeling called into this with me. But when we stepped into this, uh, you know, survival was the first was the first goal. Um, I remember our, the, our board of directors saying when I said yes, they said, we're pretty sure we can pay your salary through the end of next month. So we were, we were really surviving at that point. But wow. along the way, as yeah. God blessed, we, we began to grow. Uh, we're never afraid of growth, by the way. I mean, we're just simply not afraid of growth. And I appreciate some of the mm-hmm. stuff you've said, Rich, about that. Um, and, and I just, I think, I think God wants his word uh, proclaimed in, in, the, in the news to get out. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But as we began to grow somewhere along the way, we shifted from saying, let's all gather together as others have done to this multi-site model. So if you come to our church, uh, you will see that um, uh, I'm teaching live at each of our campuses. Uh, we think that's an important distinctive for us, at least, is mm-hmm. um, I, I, my teaching style is, is fairly interactive. So uh, if I break people up into groups to talk to each other in the middle of the message and say, okay, so you guys tell me what you see happening here in mm. the book of James, then they'll contact me back. Pastors will be moving around the room. We have an app that people can contact. And so somebody from, say, our Fenton campus or our Grants Trail campus will say, well, it seems like James is saying that you're working your way into your salvation. So I get to then respond in real time and go, hey, Grants Trail has a question about X. And for us, that interactivity just takes us one layer deeper into mm. me staying connected to those campuses. Uh, so that might be one of the things that you would notice mm-hmm. uh, about how our our teaching uh, is 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 connected in in all four campuses. Um, so yeah, that yeah, I, lo- I love that. I love this idea, this kind of interactive dialogic dialogue of kind of approach to teaching. Um, can you pull that apart a little bit? Describe that a little bit more. I think that's fairly unique. What I hear, you know, going on there. Tell us a little bit more about what that, you know, looks like. Maybe give us another example of how, of how that kind of works itself. Yeah. Out. So, so a couple of things. There, there are. Um, in my mind, we need to be, we need to be addressing and considering how we communicate the gospel in the 21st century. And this, right. some of this certainly has to do with our use of technology, but some of it has to do with understanding. Uh, attention spans and right. and the fact that if I'm say, if I'm saying something about if I quote somebody from the first century if I quote Josephus or if I say hey you know it took Herod six decades to build this temple uh, I will see particularly younger generations but I will see people on their phones fact checking me in real time absolutely right yeah totally yeah, so absolutely rather than being someone who gets frustrated with, hey, eyes up, don't be down on your phones. <laughs> we, we encourage people to do that. And we'll say, okay, yeah. you might want to look at this. You should look at that. Why don't you get your phone out now and and use the app to let us know what you're thinking about X, Y, or C. Sometimes it's not even a, a uh, it, it's not specifically related to the text. Sometimes it might be, hey, I need everybody to tell me one change this past week, um, uh, in our Christmas series, I said, so you guys need to give me one change that you didn't like, that you don't like happening in your life. We always talk about mm-hmm. the great changes. Everybody give me one. And it got real 
very hmm. quickly, Rich. I mean, people, hmm. uh, and you know what that's like. There's a little bit of hmm. an anonymity and a safety there of being able to say, well, I'll tell you what happened. And then they, they text me in. Well, we'll share those things. Never names because I don't have those names, but it's, it just allows us to now again have a conversation that we wouldn't have had if this was all one direction and the pastor was was just delivering the goods. Now, I do believe that teaching is a role and it is an office in the church, and we will never minimize that. What I'm trying to do is to think of it through a different grid. How can I make this more conversational? How can we break up some of these these chunks of of, of delivering information and actually let people interact with it and hopefully along the way, teach them how to pull apart the text and, and interact with each other, which is a big deal. Part of this is about mm-hmm. interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. I think, you know, I think that's such a great model. And I think you're, you're answering a real significant issue that I think a lot of us who communicate are feeling, right? Which is, okay, what do we exactly do we do? You know, how, do, how is it we live in such a, um, you know, an interactive world, uh, but then teaching, I think it can feel very, can, it was to some folks, feel very stale when it's just the kind of um, someone on stage standing there delivering to them. I love that you're considering and going out of your way to consider, hey, like, um, you know, where, kind of where are people at? And I, um, Bruxy Cavey, who is a lead pastor, I was had a privilege to serve under years ago. He, at the end of every uh, Sunday morning, does open forum Q&A and still does that to this day. And, you know, similar kind of experience. And I could say as a person who led in that environment, man, it was so great um, because it allowed, um, you know, it allowed this kind of window into where people were actually at. at and it, it frankly gave him... Uh, feedback every single week on kind of the question, the actual questions people were asking, which obviously over time does tend to, um, you know, hone in, you know, your communication. That's, that's right. fantastic. Right. Well, now you've been, you've been leading obviously for quite a while in, in your church and, you know, God has, um, has gathered around you a leadership team that he's using and, and, you know, you've uh, seen some really good things happen in uh, your church. When you kind of step back at like a 20,000 foot view or 10,000 foot view and say so like, Hey, where, how do you, what do you think is has been a shift in um, how the church is interacting with each other with within the church or with other church and 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 when you think about hey what is something that we need to be thinking about how we um, you know we interact between maybe between other churches how are some of those um, you know what's kind of changed over your time and how are you addressing that how are you thinking about those issues uh, these days well, I would say, unfortunately, one of the things that I saw coming into this was that um, people would go to conferences, they would be a part of associations, they would uh, get into to great organizations where they could where they could partner with other leaders. But mm-hmm. this is my own personal observation: a lot of times they would partner with leaders outside of their own city or community. And so this idea of, of partnering, am I getting an amen from you? Yeah, there's a bit of an amen there. I, I, yeah. I think I know where you're headed here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and so, and I get that. And that's important as, as, mm-hmm. as you have and as you foster, mm-hmm. I too enjoy relationships with leaders around the country, around the world. That's great. Mm-hmm. But locally, I would say locally, I found myself uh, really having a hard time establishing those relationships, at least in our community. And I know it varies, but in our community, there was a, a kind of turfiness, a kind of, you know, I'm trying to get this done. And to be honest with you, 
operating out of a out of a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. And I'm not talking about anything other than there are there are enough people in the St. Louis metropolitan area for every church in this area to stay busy from now until Jesus returns. I, yeah. There simply is. And yet we forget that and we get we we get competitive with each other. You know, one of the things that I just have, have found us pushing on is this this zero sum game mentality um, mm. that, you know, if you win, then I lose. Well, that's right. That's that is a that is a lie. That is not the, the that is not kingdom mindset at all. Mm-hmm. And so totally. we're trying to turn that corner. We've seen that. And in real specific ways, uh, we've God has allowed us to learn some things along the way inside our church mm-hmm. and then along with other churches. And it has leaked out to the nation and even across borders as well. But I would tell you, it has to start at home. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I, um, there's this concept you would be no doubt well aware of called horizontal hostility, this weird thing that happens sociologically um, where people that are like should theoretically from the outside be the closest to us, we find uh, people fighting over them. So it's like in the kind of funny tongue in cheek way. Why is it that people that like Star Trek don't like people who like Star Wars? That doesn't make any sense, right? You think that they would like each other, but they look down each other's shoulders, you know, or down their nose at each other. Or why do uh, you know people who are vegans really not like vegetarians? Because they're like, wow, you're not, you're just not a big enough deal enough. You're not going far enough, as opposed to just the you know meat eaters and I, I you see this in the local church all the time where it's like why are why are we why is there hostility where there just really shouldn't be um, and even this idea of people that are close to us so what has that looked like for you as you've led at the crossing as you've interacted with other churches what are some of the kind of practical steps that you've tried to not live out uh, you know this zero sum game you've tried to say hey like it's okay for both of us to win what does that look like for you guys right well as you say that and I, I haven't really ever thought of it this way until you were just speaking a second ago. But really, when the world takes that approach, we're highlighting our differences, I believe, at that point, because we mm-hmm. really have this this strong desire to, to make sure that we know we're unique. Sure. And so, you know, so you're Star Trek and I'm Star Wars. Well, the reason I'm pushing so hard on you is because I really want to know I have this specific value, <laughs> yeah. unique place in the world, right? Yep. And, uh, and and it's not just at Comic-Con. I mean, I, I want to know that I'm unique. Okay. Well, I think the I think the way of God and what we see in Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, is the best antidote to that. When Paul over and over again is using this this metaphor of of an organic uh, entity, a body, and he starts saying, hey, listen, you need all of these parts. Mm-hmm. That's what we began to understand was if we can be if we can begin to celebrate our value as a part of the body of Christ, but mm-hmm. I can also celebrate yours, and that will mean. And I know people are going to roll their eyes at this because it's so <laughs> obvious. But Rich, I'm telling you right now, if you want to know what we're learning, we're not very good at this. Mm-hmm. I have to not just understand my unique place in the kingdom. I have to understand and value your unique place. And God's sovereign plan that you and I are to do this together, mm. you know. So, so it's that whole idea of, um, uh, you know, an eyeball or a big toe or a liver is a wonderful creation of God, 
but it doesn't do anybody any good if it's sitting over in the corner by itself. Right. We have to be connected to each other. And I really do believe this is one of the, 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 there's an opportunity for the church at this particular time in history that's so fractious, so Mm -hmm. just so on edge. We have an opportunity to really be distinct. We, we can, Mm -hmm. we can do this because we are different. Mm -hmm. If, If we have the spirit of God coursing through us, this is a very winsome thing when you begin to see it happen. So, that's what we've been part of what we've been really trying to pay attention to is healthy culture, healthy ways of interacting, not just for the sake of getting along. This is all, mm-hmm. this is missional. There's nothing, this is mission central for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, you know, this idea of, you know, the world will know uh, of about Jesus because of our love for each other. Um, that is a powerful idea, but it does seem to run counter grain to the us versus them, you know, and there's just so many ways that we divide up, um, at, which is, you know, obviously incredibly negative and isn't helping us in the broader um, community. You know, this, this idea of unity, I'd love for you to push us a little bit. Um, you know, it can be squishy. I think no one, you know, everybody who listens in is smart enough to say, yes, I understand that like me and the other ministry across town or the other church, or, you know, we're all a part of the same team, but like, but you know, if you get, if, if you get me in a, in a private conversation, um, you know, I'm whack, I'm willing to back the bus up over them, and, you know? So obviously people are smart enough to not uh, be public about, you know, kind of disunity, but how are you kind of, um, pushing beyond, uh, you know, just kind of a, a platitude or like, that's an interesting idea to like actually operationalizing that seeing change take place in, in ourselves and then actually taking steps to try to live out that unity. Yeah, absolutely. For us, I, I use that word. I used a word a second ago that um, that it has been so hackneyed and overused um, that I'm, I hesitate to use it. But I think it's important. And it's it, we've spent some time paying attention to the culture of our church um, and and how it is that we do what we do. Uh, one of the things that you'll hear us say is uh, how we do what we do is as important as what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the myths that I have seen take hold uh, really in a variety of settings and, and even unfortunately within the churches, as long as we're getting the important things done, how we get it done isn't that important. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, that's just wow. not true. Yeah. Right, it's just right. not true. I know, I know we're all rushing to do something significant for God, but I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've done it in my own life. We leave these horrible messes in our wake and um, th- there's no way that's what God intended us to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for us, we start with this idea that that um, that 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 it does matter. And I'll call you one more. Um, a lot of times, people, particularly in settings and in churches, when I get a chance to work with other churches here around the country, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they'll just say it doesn't do us any good because it'll never change. Mm. Well, we don't really believe that, do we? I mean, (laughs) if if we're the people of God, then then things can change. Um, And then I would just say this. uh, One of the the myths that has become just so, um, well, I've talked with people who have said, well, you know, the the really bad stuff can't happen to us. We're just going to keep plodding along. And I, Rich, without going down, you know, those roads very far, I would just say, Bad stuff can happen if you're not paying attention to culture. 
Mm. So for us, mm. we've been real intentional at the staff level and in teaching our folks uh, just basic values of, first of all, why does this matter so much to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, here we go. On the worst night of his life, when the clock's ticking and mm-hmm. he's already dismissed the betrayer and he knows it's not very long before he will be arrested. Mm-hmm. Before he prays the famous prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's walking with those men from the upper room to the garden and someplace between there in John 17, he prays the longest prayer we have of, of his in scripture. And what does he pray? Father, may they be one as you and I are one so that the world may know that you sent me. There it is. And and I know, I know we can roll our eyes at this idea of unity, but if Jesus knows the clock is ticking on the worst night of his life and he prays for us, we probably ought to pay attention to that. Right. And he doesn't pray that we would be innovative. He doesn't pray that we would be uh, the cool kids at the, at the, at, at the table. He yeah, prays that we would be one. Mm-hmm. So we really stress that we underscore that there's language that we use. And then we begin to step by step, show people inside our church, uh, building blocks for how you foster collaboration, how you push against uh, division, how you deal with things like gossip and conflict, how we practically work through things like forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and believe me, we're always having to tend to this. I- I'm not about to suggest suggest to you that we're that we've got this nailed. I'm saying sure. it's important enough that we keep coming back to it in very practical ways. Hmm. Well, what would be some of those, um, you know, kind of practical steps that sure, you're taking? Sure, sure. Yeah, keep you are asking that. Um, I would say one of them is um, we try to, to to help people understand that uh, words matter more than we think they matter. And mm-hmm. so we begin to kind of walk through how it is that we speak to each other, how it is that we listen to each other. Again, this sounds terribly squishy, but it's not. You know, if Proverbs says that words have the power of life and death, I'll bet you each one of us uh, in ministry could immediately come up with an example over the past year where there were words that someone spoke to us that gave us right. life. Right. And there were words that just robbed us of something. And so we begin to speak in really specific terms about those words. We will actually settle in on, on the idea of gossip pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in, uh, I was in India a few years ago with some folks that we work with uh, regularly. And it was one of those deals where I had a chance to, uh, they thought they were going to do something fun for us. And so we round this corner coming back into this area, real jungly, and there were snake charmers there. Now, there's a whole big controversy on whether that should be done now or not. I'm not getting into that. I'm just telling you, I was there. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird thing. These guys mm-hmm. all looked like they were straight out of the movies. I'll, I'll fast forward to the end of the story, though. We're all laughing. Everybody's taking pictures. Well, I work my way around to the backside of the of, of these snake charmers, this one guy in particular. And he looks up at me and he has me sit down next to him. And so all our guys are taking pictures. And I've... I've overreached at this point. You know, I was just trying to get a lot, <laughs> but I will just say this. He, he, uh, he takes off this box and there's a Cobra that comes out about 18 inches from my, I'm, I'm sitting there next to him, just about oh, 18 gosh. inches from me. Oh my goodness. I, I'm not making any of this up. I've got photos. <laughs> and, and, and my point is this, I, I remember a lot, but I remember the color of the Cobra's eyes. 
because mm. they were blue. Now, somebody told me later they turn blue because they're getting ready to to shed their skin. So I don't know if that's what happened afterwards or not. Mm-hmm. Here's the long, you know, I, all of that to say this. In the New Testament, when Paul uses uh, the word for gossip in at the beginning of Romans, it's sort of an onomatopoeia. It's the word pisturistes. And there's a lot of different ideas about where that word came from, but some of them mm-hmm. say that it has to do with the idea of the sound that snake charmers made when they were mm. whispering to their snakes. Hmm. Pisturistes. Okay. Hmm. So our point is, and we, we just go over this again and again and again. If you are close enough to a cobra to see the color of his eyes, oh, wow. you're too, you're too close. Mm-hmm. So we, we actually encourage, train, educate, exhort, remind our people when it comes to gossip, no more. If somebody says to you, hey, did you hear such and such about such and such? Either you shut it down if it's a conflict thing and we need to go down a Matthew 18 road, then, hey, let's walk over to them now because I'm not getting into this with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If churches would take that one thing seriously Mm -hmm. and culture began to spit out this poisonous thing that the evil one tries to do in our midst, out of our jealousy, out of our insecurity, out of our anger, our frustration, where we start saying things behind somebody else's back, if we began to specifically deal with the, I'll call it the sin and the poison of gossip, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be interesting how much safer things would feel? Mm-hmm. Now, if, if things feel safe in an, in an organization, Rich, then you get to go to other layers, which we talk about, uh, like creative collaboration. Well, if I can say something out loud and know that it's safe in that room, mm-hmm. and if I leave the room, you're not going to make fun of my idea. Right. Do you see how much more creative we are? The bigger risks we'll take. Sure. So so those are some of the very specific things. And then I would just give you one more. And that is, yep. uh, we learned this from our, uh, our work uh, post-Ferguson, which is its own mm-hmm. story. Right. Mm-hmm. But as we began to feel called into something and learn an awful lot about what we were doing wrong and what we were being uh, complicit in just by not jumping in further, I spent a lot of my formative years as a, as a young Christian at the First Baptist Church of Ferguson. Mm-hmm. So when, when Ferguson happened, we began to move back in, have these meetings. And I would just say this much. We learned uh, that one of the ways we were going to bridge gaps both inside the church and with other churches. And I have now found that this is working with other nonprofits that we're trying to consult with mm-hmm. is that there's three quick steps. First one is this, you need to create a space like we were just saying safe enough mm-hmm. where dialogue can happen. That wasn't going to happen before. So for us, it was gathering people around a table who may not have known each other before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you bring them around the table. There are certain parameters. We're not. You could say certain things, but come on, other things. We let's let's be careful with each other. Let's not be careful. Let's let's care for each other. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Second thing is, let's find something that we can collaborate on together. It's an interesting thing that there's a uh, the the Stanford Social Innovation Review says that some of the most interesting interesting things that will happen mm-hmm. 
when it comes to social change these days will happen in the space between two organizations. Mm, So it's not coming out of my organization and it's not coming out of yours. But if we get close enough together, we might pick something in that space between us Mm -hmm. that is really extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So you create space where people can meet each other and have the dialogue. You pick something that you're going to collaborate on together, which now means we're going to work together. I'm going to learn the ways of your church. You're going to learn the ways of my church. I'm going to have to yield to you. You're going to listen to me at times. Now we're getting someplace. Mm -hmm. And then the last step is whatever that is, let's do it for a long time. Let's persevere, which is one of the things I appreciate about what you've been saying about a flywheel. I'm, I'm, I'm so, um, I, I hate it when I hear that guys have taken those first two steps, but they right. forget the third one. <laughs> right. It's going to take some time. <laughs> You're almost there. You're almost there. Um, so those are some of the specific practical things that we're teaching people. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I, and, you know, it reminds me of, you know, in a in a previous era, you know, there was so much good that came out of – um, you know, when the Billy Graham Association would go from community to community. Um, and oftentimes when, when you would hear the kind of long-term impact of those um, events actually would be the relationships that were knit together between, um, you know, the kind of broad spectrum of the body of Christ and the ongoing work that took place beyond the, you know, hey, we've got a week of meetings happening at the football stadium. Um, It was really all the other stuff that kind of, um, you know, happened out of that. I've often wondered if that at the end of the day, you know, that's like this kind of outcome of that movement that obviously in in some communities today, they still talk about how that is a big part of, you know, kind of the good things that are still going on uh, because of that. Now, you've actually written a book called The Genius of one God's answered for our fractured world um, that kind of relates with these issues. It, it, it kind of fleshes this out more, obviously dives a lot deeper. Uh, tell me about why you wrote this book. Uh, what was it that brought you? That's a lot of time, effort and energy, uh, passion to make that happen. Uh, tell me about that. Why, why would you do that? Well, a couple of reasons. One out of my own personal past um, as a little boy growing up, uh, my mom and dad, uh, Christ followers. We were involved in church. My dad was involved in uh, what I would call a, a lay leadership position in our little churches that we were a part of. But I distinctly, and I put this in the uh, in the in the the beginning of the book, um, I distinctly remember the 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 fights and the conflicts mm-hmm. that would happen in our church. I remember my dad taking sh- people just taking shots. And, and little, just ugly little things that just one bite at a time just robs someone of the joy of ministry. I remember distinctly driving home when I wasn't driving. They were driving. I'm in the backseat. <laughs> yes. And I remember my mom looking at my dad. I remember through tears, she, she looked at him and said, how can Christians treat each other this way? Oh, uh, wow. Right. So, Rich, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that we, you, you're not interested in and we don't have time. Mm. But that started me on a on a, a journey, a little bit of a detour in my life. It, there's nothing like sorted. So, you know, don't get your hopes up. There's nothing. Like that. <laughs> but I built a wall up saying, OK, wait, whatever it is that God's calling me to do. And I even felt as a kid, God was calling me to something. Mm. But whatever it is. I'll do it alongside the church, but man, I'm not getting all the way in up to my eyeballs in the church because it's not a safe place. Right. Well, over time, God 
showed me that he still loved the local church, that he was still active in the local church Mm -hmm. and called me into this thing. But I never forgot that. And so early on, we said, let's do this differently. We're Mm -hmm. we're, we're not perfect. We're going to burn a lot of grace. But if we're going to do this, if we're going to survive, we will have to do this together. Mm -hmm. And so as we began to see that happen with, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 people, and we looked at each other and said, we'll, we'll have to figure this out together. God began to bless. Um, one of our great, great passions is making room for people who have never been in a church before. So we're one of those places where, you know, we do see those stories happen on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I felt called to that. Okay. So I love, I love having conversations with my Muslim and Buddhist friends. I love those. Yes. People who've never bought a Bible before. Mm-hmm. Here's what I didn't expect. On that side of it, you know, all of those people began to come in. But then along the way, what I think it might be Len Sweet calls the overchurched started mm-hmm. stumbling through the doors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I found I wasn't the only one who had a story like this. Right. And so there were people on both ends of this spectrum saying, well, wait a minute. If you guys are going to admit, A, that you're not perfect, B, that, that, that you're going to keep working on this and try to pay attention to this, then this might be a safe place for me to take another step. Mm. And so out of all of that, these were our experiences. This is what I began to learn. And out of all of that came some of the stuff that I shared in the book. Hmm. Very cool. Has there been any uh, kind of interesting, because it's been out for a while, um, you know, particular surprises or things you're proud of, the kind of the impact of the book as it's interacted with other leaders, you know, as an author, I can tell you, there is that kind of weird thing where it's mostly a solitary experience and then it becomes a very public experience. It's out there. And in some ways it gets outside of what you're like, wow, I didn't really anticipate that. Was there, has there been any kind of experiences like that, that you've bumped into since it's been out? Yeah. I'll give you two quick ones here. One of them is locally. One of the things that we're seeing uh, that we're just so grateful for is uh, a change in what I had described earlier. There's a there's a a new sense here in in our area of pastors from different demographics, different church sizes, different areas, different denominations, saying, "Okay, can we do X together?" And we're beginning mm. to see that. And and God be praised. Okay, so I love that. Uh, internationally, one of the things that we've seen is in working with organizations like Living Water International mm-hmm. and and World Vision in particular, two organizations that I'm just I, I'm privileged to to work with. Um, we've seen some things happen. There is a what's called a G1 conference now. It's a where we're teaching these principles of the genius of one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Rich, we've done it now in uh, golly. Zimbabwe, Zambia, Kenya, Rwanda, mm, Uganda, Sierra Leone, India, you know, and it's just one of those things where you begin to see leaders everywhere going, yeah, we're struggling with that too. I'm not encouraged by that, but I'm not <laughs> surprised by it either. Right, 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 right. What I, what I am thrilled with is the power of God and the, and just the longing of people to say, wait, we can do this differently. Mm. And so we're trying to equip people and then get out of their way. And frankly, learning from them as we come back home. Hmm. So when I'm in Rwanda, a place that understands genocide to a level that, that you and I don't, Mm -hmm. it understands uh, divisions within the church Mm -hmm. to to the extent that you and I don't. 
I'm teaching and the whole time, every, every, every day, it's a two and a half day conference. I'm just begging our team. Will you please pray for me? Because I'm not, these, they should be teaching me. So, so I'll give some of those principles, but then they begin to teach back. And those are cool things. If, if I believe God is up to something, I, I, I know for a fact, Jesus knew what he was doing when he, mm. when he prayed on that night for us. Mm-hmm. And if we can attend to that, if we can take it as seriously as he does, mm-hmm. then this isn't just a squishy topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets real nuts and boltsy real fast. That's cool. And well, Rich, already- if I could one last thought. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. There is an entire generation in our country, and I would say around the world, who is paying attention, and this is part of what they're looking for. Hmm. Will, will, will we actually do something different in this world? Because mm-hmm. the same old, same old is not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. And I do believe this is action. It's not just words. Mm. And it just becomes a part of the mission of God. So right. that's it. Yeah, it's very cool. I, I would encourage people to pick up a copy of this book or multiple copies. This could be the kind of thing I could see be great for teams to read together. It'd be great. Like, hey, I, I know oftentimes people that are listening in are looking for resources for their team even to be like, hey, what are some to kind of challenge us to think in a new way? And I think this could be a great uh, a great resource for this. If people want to pick up a copy of this or get copies of this book, I'm assuming they could do it on Amazon. Is there anywhere else we want to send them uh, to you know learn more about the book specifically? Yeah, I would say that some of the resources that we have are, um, and and then some blog posts that would relate to that, and and some of the things that we're seeing happen in, in other churches would be at gregholder.com. That would be an easy okay. place, uh, and that's G R E G. That's so uh, Holder dot com, and then all of the you know your your everyday social media platforms. Um, uh, we we keep putting stuff out there that helps folks too, but those would be places I would start. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, Greg, I've really appreciated you being on the show today and and really stretching us, getting us to think in a new way. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. I appreciate you being on. If Is there anywhere else we want to send people or anything you want to say uh, in conclusion as we wrap up today's episode? No, I would just say this, Rich. Um, we, are, we are very interested in encouraging and championing churches that, uh, that are serious about this. And so... Um, if, if they contacted us here at the crossing, if they contacted me, uh, on, on the, the website that I mentioned, um, we'd love to hear your story. We'd love to know how we can partner with you. We'd love to know how we can encourage you on this because, um, because I really do believe this is one of the ways that the kingdom is going to advance in this very fractured world right now. Cool. And it, yeah. we, get, we get to do this differently. And so it's one of the reasons why I love uh, podcasts like yours that are continually equipping leaders to then get out there and do it. So mm. anybody who wants uh, you know, to share their story or an idea or, or, or an opportunity where we can encourage them, come on, let's do this together. Nice. Well, thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate being on the show today. Thank you so much, Rich. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter 
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.